Welcome to Real Talk with me, Bev Thurigood. In this podcast, I'm going to be diving into the world of small business as a freelance trainer, coach, well-being practitioner, and how you can tap into the corporate world to grow your business. Having done this for the last five years, I've learned a thing or two about working with corporate clients, and I want to share the lessons I've learned, the tips, the tricks, the highs, the lows. I'll also be joined by other freelancers sharing their stories of how they got into the corporate world, as well as what they've learned in business in general. So let's dive into today's episode. If you're just setting up as a freelance business in the UK, should you set it up as a sole trader or as a limited company? Today, I want to share with you how I set my freelance training business up and the reasons why I decided to change the structure of my business about two and a half years into it. I've been running my business for ESCO Training and Coaching since April 2018 when I decided to leave a long-term career with the Ministry of Defence to set up in business for myself. And when I first got started, it's pretty fair to say that I knew nothing about how to set up or run a business. My drive was really, it was all on getting out of employment and having autonomy over how I structured my days. Self-employment seemed like the obvious solution, but I really, if I'm honest, didn't have a clue what I was doing. My husband had left his job with the military after 38 years and he'd set up as a sole trader and it seemed pretty easy. So that's what I chose to do too. Well, I say that's what I did. <laughs> I have to be honest here and say I flip and hate anything to do with money apart from spending it, of course. And my other half has always been pretty good with anything kind of to do with detail or finances or anything like that. And he's always pretty disciplined. So I asked him to set me up as a sole trader. It didn't cost anything to register as a sole trader. I think he pretty much just registered me for self-assessment, which meant I had to do my own tax returns and I was issued a UTR or a unique tax reference. And as far as I'm aware, that was it. Then I just had to keep records of my income and expenditure and complete an annual tax return to HMRC. Again, I didn't really have much involvement other than keeping my invoices and my receipts and passing them all over to Mark for him to do my tax return. However, after the first year, I did take on a bookkeeper and an accountant to do the boring stuff like balancing the books each month and doing my end of year tax returns. And I wasn't that registered or anything and life was pretty simple. But after a couple of years, I found that being a sole trader possibly wasn't the best thing for my business and I decided to register as a limited company. Now, I'll share with you a bit why I did that. But first, let me explain what that actually means. So if you're not sure, uh, let me just explain it. Now, just I should caveat this with I'm not an accountant, so I'm not going to be trying to, you know, bamboozle you with all the financial junk because I don't know it, nor am I offering any kind of accountancy advice. In fact, I would definitely speak to a good accountant before you decide whether or not to go as a sole trader or a limited company and whether it's going to be right for you or your business as they're going to be able to explain more effectively the pros and the cons and they'll be able to help you figure out the best thing for you and what you want to achieve. But this is my experience and this is my story. So hopefully it'll help you if you're not sure which way to go. So when you're a sole trader, you and your business are effectively one and the same thing. And what that means is that you've got full 
liability for any debts and potentially if you're sued or something horrible like that, then your home, your assets, your possessions, they're all potentially at risk. Whereas when you're a limited company, you and your business are seen as a separate legal entity so or, or separate legal entities, hence the name limited. So it means that your liability is limited to your business and your personal finance, your personal assets, they're generally safe. When you register as a limited company, your company details are held by Companies House and they're just more transparent. So anyone can look up your company and see your financial and your legal situation. And getting registered also has a cost implication there too. Generally, as a limited company, your admin costs are going to increase, particularly your accountancy fees, since your accountant will have more work to do for you. But there is a tipping point, I believe, when your revenue goes over a certain amount. And if I remember rightly, it's around about the 30 to 35,000 pounds a year mark when the tax benefits are better as a limited company. And therefore, if you know or you think your revenue is going to exceed that amount, it's likely to be beneficial to incorporate your business. But again, I'm not an accountant, so I don't know the exact ins and outs. And you're definitely going to want to take professional advice around the financial pros and cons of being limited or sole trader. And that's going to be based on your financial goals, etc. But I do remember having a conversation with Lucy, my accountant, when I was thinking about incorporating the business. And she talked me through all the pros and the cons. And at the time, my income was around about that threshold. We'd just come out of lockdown and things were starting to pick up a bit. So I was fairly confident that my income would benefit from the tax implications of a limited company rather than that of a sole trader. We also talked about how to go about registering the business and I'm happy to say that Lucy sorted everything out for me, including sorting out the articles of association which are needed when you incorporate. Again, I'm not fully au fait with what these are, but I believe they're kind of the outline um, to, of the managerial and administrative structure of your business and they include information about shareholders and directors, etc., of course, there was a fee for sorting all of that out. And I think it was a few hundred pounds, if I remember rightly. But as it's not something that I had any interest in at all, although I could probably have figured it out, I was more than happy just to let Lucy crack on and get it sorted for me. So let me quickly cover the pros and the cons of both sole trader and limited company as I understand them from my experience. So as a sole trader, as I've already said, your bookkeeping is way simpler. Your income is all yours and you just have to do a fairly simple tax return at the end of the year. It's much easier to do your own bookkeeping if you want to, which in turn is going to keep your costs down. Or you could just pay a bookkeeper to do the weekly or monthly accounts admin and then do your own tax return at the end of the year, knowing that your bookkeeper has kept everything up to date and in order. Also, you've got more financial privacy in your business as you're not listed on any public facing databases like the like company's house. Some of the downsides, though, to being a sole trader are, again, as I've already mentioned, your personal assets could be at risk if your business gets into trouble. Um, as you're the business, therefore, you're liable in the event things go wrong. And also, if you're looking for investment for growth or expansion, then you might find that getting that investment or being given a business loan is a little bit more difficult if you're a sole trader. One of the biggest reasons I made the shift to limited company was because on a couple of occasions, I quoted for work with large corporate companies 
and occasionally a large government department and was told that they wouldn't hire me because I was a sole trader. Now, I never really got to um, get a satisfactory answer as to why, but I guess as they couldn't check me out on company's house, I was a bit of an unknown entity. And quite honestly, their policy was simply no sole traders. As I was working predominantly with large corporates and public sector um, organisations, I knew that losing just one contract was worth the additional cost of being a limited company. So what about the pros and cons of incorporating your business and becoming limited? Well, let's start off with the cons. It's way more complicated and it can feel a bit overwhelming. And this is again where a good accountant can help take some of the stress and the worry out of it. It's an expense and one which you might not want to have as a brand new business. You know, most of the people that I know who go freelance don't go into business with an in-depth business plan and a shed load of capital to get them started. Usually they're like me, they're transitioning from employment into self-employment and often they're doing so on a bit of a shoestring. The ongoing costs are greater as a limited company too, as you're almost certainly going to want to hand over the accounts to a professional bookkeeper or an accountant. And therefore, your end of year tax returns are going to be more complex and more expensive. And while it's a good idea to keep a separate bank account for your personal and business finances, regardless really of whether you're a sole trader or a limited company, from a legal perspective, I believe in the UK, you don't have to have a separate bank account for your um, finances if you're a sole trader. It's good practice, but you don't have to. But as a limited company, you will need a dedicated business bank account. And again, depending on who you bank with, this might incur a cost. On that same score, it's very easy as a sole trader to move money around and not have to be quite so strict about using your personal account for business purchases and vice versa, although it's definitely best practice to keep them separate. Um, but it's not so easy if you're a limited company, because quite frankly, it's not your money, it's the business's money. So if it's way more complex and it's more expensive, I guess the question is, why would you even be, um, bother becoming limited? Well, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest pros is that you're no longer your business and therefore you're not going to have your personal assets taken into account if things start to go horribly wrong. So your house and your family are better protected. And I would say for most people, that's possibly the main reason they choose to go limited. But also because of how you take money out of your business, effectively you become both a shareholder and an employee, there are clever ways for your accountant to reduce your tax liability. And that you know, they're all perfectly legal. But because of the way you get paid, that tax element is different. So for example, as an employee of your own limited company, you can choose to take a smaller salary and take the remainder of your income as dividends. And this is something, again, speak to your accountant about. But a certain amount of your dividends can be taken tax free. And as I found out, if you're working with bigger companies, you might find that not being a limited company means you're out of the running immediately when they're getting quotes and tenders for projects. And you might therefore be missing out on opportunities that would easily cover the additional expenses associated with running a limited company. 
And there were a couple of benefits that I discovered that I wasn't really expecting. And the first is that there's a bit of a perception that if you're a limited company, that you're bigger than you really are potentially. So despite the fact that I was still a one-person show as both a sole trader and a limited company, there was definitely a perception that my business was bigger than it really was. Now, I never pretended to be anything I wasn't, but I always got the impression that I was perceived differently as a company rather than a sole trader. And because of this, I believe I began to attract clients that I probably or possibly wouldn't have attracted previously. Now, I don't have any hard evidence for this, but it definitely felt like that. And unfortunately, of course, I can't tell which companies would have turned me down for not being limited as that question didn't arise once I was limited. But I think it's fair to say that there were contracts that I won that I don't think I'd have won if I hadn't incorporated the business. And the second benefit, which is difficult to quantify, is that I felt my confidence and my behaviours changed when I became a limited company. I wouldn't say I'd ever treated my business as a hobby as such, but I don't think I ever really felt like a proper business. Even though I'd worked with some amazing clients, it always felt like a, a bit of a fluke that I got those clients, <laughs> if you can relate to that. It's really hard to explain because in reality, I don't think I did anything hugely different in terms of how I I marketed myself or how I managed my back-end processes, apart from, you know, the stuff that my bookkeeper and accountant were doing. But I just found that calling myself the director and referring to the business as Floresco Training Limited, it just kind of felt a bit more grown up. And I saw a significant increase in inquiries and I guess a corresponding increase in revenue as a result of going limited. And this began very quickly after I registered as a limited company. Now, perhaps Perhaps that's because my increased confidence showed up. Perhaps I came across in my marketing messaging a bit more professional. I don't know. Or just perhaps maybe as um, businesses that would previously not have even got in touch with me as a sole trader started reaching out because I was limited. I've no idea. All I know is that businesses uh, sorry, business picked up noticeably when I made the change. And I felt like my mindset shifted from playing at having a business to actually having a business. I think I just started to take things a bit more seriously. And I'm guessing my habits and behaviours changed accordingly. Who knows? But whatever it was, it was definitely a noticeable benefit. One of the other questions you might want to ask yourself when you set up is whether or not you want to be registered for VAT. In the UK, VAT is a sales tax added to goods and services sold to consumers. It's currently 20% for most things, although there are a few things that are charged at a different percentage. And You don't have to be VAT registered until your revenue reaches a certain threshold, which at the minute I think is £85,000. However, if you're only ever going to be working with corporate clients, it might be worth registering for that anyway. Again, a couple of reasons for this in my experience are that companies generally expect you to be VAT registered. And I did have a couple of times where not being VAT registered just made getting onboarded to a supplier register a bit awkward. Often what happens is when you enter a contract to do some freelance work for a company, they have a process for getting you onto their accounting system so that they can pay you. This usually means they run checks to make sure that you're solvent and that there's nothing likely to come back and bite them. And they take your banking details, sometimes your international banking details, your company registration details. 
And of course, they often ask for your VAT status. Now, it's not being VAT registered wasn't a deal breaker. It, I'd never had anybody say, we can't work with you because you're not VAT registered. But it did occasionally just cause a bit of back and forth trying to explain to the person in their finance department that I didn't have a VAT registration number and that the invoice wouldn't include VAT. Obviously, once I registered for VAT, this process got way easier because it, it never became a problem um, again. Also, once you're VAT registered, it also means that you can claim the VAT back on any of your own business expenses. So anytime you buy something for your business that has VAT included, you can claim that back. And again, I think there's just a perception that if you are VAT registered, you're just seen as bigger and more established than maybe you, you possibly would be otherwise. The downside, if you have both corporate and private clients, of course, is that you can't pick and choose who you charge VATs to. So if you have private, that is sort of business to consumer or B2C clients, you're either going to have to add 20% VAT onto the cost of any services that you offer, or if you don't want to put your prices up for your clients, you're going to have to absorb that 20% and therefore reduce your profit margins. One word of advice though, if you do charge VAT, just make sure that as soon as an invoice is paid to you, you siphon off 20% every single time and put it into a separate account. Don't ever treat the money as if it was yours. It never was and it never will be. Treat it as a separate amount. So don't look at your total income from invoices as your money because 20% of it belongs immediately to the tax man. And the last thing you want is to suddenly get a VAT bill and find you've spent the money that didn't ever belong to you and now you don't have the money set aside to pay your VAT bill. Okay, so there you go. Hopefully it's given you a few things to think about when setting up your business and deciding on whether or not to be a sole trader or whether you should go as a limited company and also whether or not to register for VAT. Um, for me, I well, I spent the first two and a bit years of my business as a sole trader before incorporating and that was nearly three years ago. If I was starting out again, knowing what I know now, I think I would almost certainly do the same again and stay a sole trader in the early days just for as long as I could really. It was just simpler and it was less expensive but I would have registered for VAT much sooner because for me I knew I was only ever going to be working in the B2B space with companies and organisations who were almost certainly going to be able to claim their VAT back. Now, of course, everything I've mentioned here applies to the UK and things will be different depending on what country you're in or even which state you're in in the US. So if you are in the US, um, I think you have a sole proprietor, which is equivalent to our sole trader, and you have limited liability companies or LLCs, and I believe they're equivalent to our limited companies here in the UK. But hopefully it's given you food for thought and that's it from me until next time. Take care. 
Well, that's it from me for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love it if you could go and leave a comment. I would love to read your comments. Let me know what you'd like to hear about if there's anything in particular you'd like me to cover. Otherwise, I shall talk to you all again soon. Take care.